Welcome to the Spiritual Geek Out Podcast. I'm your host, Diane Hudock, where we have fun talking about the phenomenal and the fascinating. From angels to energy healing, from mystical places to mystical teachings, this is a place where we nerd out on the science of the soul. Christine Collister, the legend, is here today <laughs> on the Spur Podcast. Legend, the talent, the artist, straight from the beautiful island of man, which I might say, I used to say the Isle of Mon until someone corrected me. I was like, Diane, come on, get a grip, read a map. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's actually the Isle of Man. The I- um, there you go. The, the I- Isle of Man. Now, now, for your listeners who don't know anything about it, the Isle of Man is actually uh, named after uh, a mythical um, sea king, a sea god called Mananan, Mananan Matalir. And he was part of the Tuatha de Danann, um, who are the magical people who came probably from um, Atlantis and came to Ireland um and overthrew the giants and uh, whatever was going on over there at the time and then became the magical people um because they had they had magic um and um and Matalia um is our guardian and so the Isle of Man isn't about men it's the Isle uh, the Isle of Mananan you live on an island or an isle uh, that is quite magical I mean the Isle of Man is presented in many legends or history um, uh, that it's the, actually the Isle of Avalon. Is that true? Uh, well, the Isle, so a little time, I can see it from my, um, my window here. That just down there, five miles away is um, Peel, which is a fishing village. And just to the uh, south of Peel is a tiny island that has uh, the ruins of a castle that takes up most of the island. And that island um, was deemed one of the places that could have been Avalon and is possibly one of the places where Arthur sleeps uh, beneath. Uh, and certainly there's Merlin energy over here as far as, you know, people I know who who uh, are connected to, to that kind of, um, yeah. Spirit. Yeah, I was working um, with a healer, Rob Worgen, who was a past guest on my podcast early on and um, in the earlier episodes. And I was doing some work with him and Merlin dropped in for the first time. And I was wow. like, this is crazy. Like, this is this is like this magical, mythical being. And he's dropping into this session. And so, of course, I, I couldn't hold it to myself, keep it to myself. So I said, you know, this is crazy, but Merlin dropped it. He goes, oh yeah, I work with him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a workmate. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> now the Isle of Man, I mean, what is the spiritual landscape like there? Knowing that there's this Merlin energy, do what do you experience living there? Do you must have a lot of stories to tell, hence on the Spiritual Eke Out podcast today. Um, yeah, huh. Uh, well, I was born and brought up here in the uh, in the 60s. Uh, so the Isle of Physically, it's, it's around about 32 miles by 11. And when I was growing up here in the 60s, uh, it was, the, the population was about 65,000. Um, and people from the UK or anywhere really would say that the place that it had an atmosphere, it was kind of 50 years behind the times. 
Hmm. Right. So as a modern society, it's always a little slower. It was always a bit behind everywhere else. Obviously, it's different now because of the Internet, et cetera, et cetera. And things have sped up anyway. Um, but I was brought up in a, in a household. I'm one of four kids. Uh, my mum was a Sunday school teacher and believed the Bible word for word, you know, like as, you know, no, no questioning, no curiosity, no, hmm, hang on a minute, that, that's a bit interesting. Um, and my dad was an atheist. So that's an interesting kind of um, combination of influences. I went to Sunday school, a Methodist Sunday school. There are churches everywhere. Um, but beneath that, the landscape is ancient and powerful and full of magic. Um, I know many people have had sightings of spacecraft and that kind of thing. It is a, it's been explained to me on numerous occasions that it's, it's an ancient portal. It's one of the, one of the places where, um, life first began, mm. you know, uh, so it, it, yeah, it has a long and quiet history. It's it's kind of a hidden gem. It's not meant to be out there all singing and dancing. People aren't meant to come to it as a mecca, and yet it is a beacon of of light, I would say. Um, and it's only in the last two years, 18 months, since we've been, you know, stayed in one place because of um, life circumstances. We've all been... Um, experiencing um, that I have worked with the land and worked with people who understand that energy uh, and it's just a it's a stunning place it's a really beautiful place um, and as a kid you don't think about it do you? you just that's where you live this is these are the people this is the landscape um, it's only when you go out into the world and kind of revisit that you go actually this is, this is a really special place mm. I couldn't wait to leave so um, because I thought life was happening elsewhere because it's such a backwater, mm -hmm. like lots of people, I suppose, who have some kind of um, hankering after um, a bigger life. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so it's a, yeah, it's, it's an odd little place and it's right in the middle of the Irish Sea. So it's just off the coast of Wales, England, Scotland and Ireland. So we are kind of surrounded by the other countries. Um, of the British Isles. We're part of the British Isles. We're not part of the United Kingdom. We have our own government. We've had the longest running democratically voted government in the world. It's, you know, over a thousand years old, um, et cetera, et cetera. It's still rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, you know, it's still politics. But, but yeah, it's got, it's got something. It's got something really deep. Yeah, it's there. There, it's a vortex, you know. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, I think it is. Um, one person did a lot of ley line work. I wish I could remember who it was. Now it was a, um, a drummer from a pop band, and I can't remember who it was. Oh, it'll come to me. Um, he did a lot of work with ley line, ley lines, and he discovered that um, all the ley lines, all the major ley lines of of the British Isles actually meet in a, a point here on the Isle of Man. So we're like the hub of the wheel. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. Well, you yeah. do something really cool where you go down and you swim around the cove there. First of all, yeah. uh, you do some Wim Hof cold swimming, um, cold therapy, which is great. I'm all for that. But also when the tide goes out, there's all these 
uh, castle ruins there that have yeah. got thousands of years old, thousands and thousands yeah. of years old, and you do toning. Yeah. So, and, and those that are listening, by the way, I didn't give you a proper introduction and you will certainly <laughs> learn more about her in the show notes. Uh, but Christine is, is a very well-known, renowned singer in, uh, well, I'd say all over the world, um, jazz singer, folk singer, blues singer, and um, you, you have quite a following. So your voice is magic and you go into these uh, ruins by the cove there and you do toning and you've had some pretty extraordinary experiences. I'd love for you to talk about that. Well, it's something that's developed. Um, I mean, we. so I, I suppose I started doing toning having been introduced to Kundalini Yoga. So that goes back to when I was 50. So we're talking about, you know, the, the last 10 years because I'm about to turn 60. Um, and during um, understanding or, or experiencing, it's such an experiential thing, um, Kundalini Yoga, doing the breathing practices. And I didn't know you could, there was singing yoga. <laughs> and basically kundalini starts with a song it ends with a song and quite often there's a chant in the middle and you know and so I started to produce sounds that I wasn't used to doing as a singer as singing you know presenting a song with a story or a connection or a you know um a, a normal lyric um yeah th this this um, the mantra of of spiritual practice carries a kind of an energy that's quite different and there is no understanding what it means for me anyway. I don't, I, I don't know anything about Sanskrit um, or any of the, the spiritual languages. And yet when you, when you um, practice those chants, those mantras, and you sing them for, uh, in fact, I, I, when I used to go to L.A. and, and practice in um, a studio in, in L.A., uh, I was there for Yogi Bhajan's birthday a couple of times, and we do this um, you know, you turn up at half past two in the morning and you you do a practice for two and a half hours with a few other people. Um, I'd never done that before. So that practice of singing the same syllables over and over and over, like for two and a half hours, that has an effect. For sure. You know, um, so the vibration, the, the energy that you feel that is conjured up through that practice um, really inspired me and and opened me to um explore different sounds uh come to an understanding that frequency is hugely important and runs through everything all the time mm -hmm. um and and that whilst i'm singing obviously that's happening but you're performing you know there's a different kind of um connection and approach to it so learning about mantra and um, practicing them um, started to get me to explore making sounds in a different way. And then 2015, I was um, able to go to Egypt on a spiritual uh, trip with my mum, strangely enough. Um, <laughs> and um, it was with Stuart Pierce, who's an amazing guy uh, who has direct um, and very clear connection to spirit. Um, and so we, he, he, 
brought us around all these various wonderful temples and sites and we got to chant and pray and just sit and soak up those kind of energies. And one of the, the pinnacle experiences was um, we, we stayed in Luxor, but uh, for this pinnacle experience, we flew to Cairo, we went to the Cairo Museum, and then in the afternoon, we had two solid hours, just our group in the, um, the main temple, the main uh, pyramid the Great Pyramid um, at the Giza Plateau. And so we we did we crawled on our hands and knees into the into the cellar. <laughs> it's not the cellar, it's to the beneath the uh, it's called the Well of Souls. And it's basically just a cave. When you get down there, it's a cave <laughs> with a hole in it. And we stood around the this there's a little barrier, but it's basically a cave and and we um, held hands and we uh, prayed and chanted there, which was really remarkable. And then we, on our hands and knees again, crawled back up to the, the to the beginning level, and then carried on going up these steps for what felt like forever until uh, we reached the king's chamber, and where you crawl in on your hands and knees, and you're surrounded by uh, these massive um, red granite blocks. And red granite is basically these huge, I don't know how, how much they weigh, but they're, they're massive. And they're basically comprised of compressed, tiny, tiny little pieces of red granite of uh, quartz. So that, and so that pressure is like, um, is it piezoelectric? So it has an energy, it's pulsing um, uh, energy. But what it also does is it amplifies, so it amplifies energy and it amplifies sound. So you go in that uh, chamber, which is bare, empty. It's just this wall to ceiling red granite, at one end of which is the um, sarcophagus, which we were able to lie in. Mm, that's cool. Wow. Because <laughs> uh, the, whole, the whole journey was called um, the uh, resurrection. Okay. Um, uh, so uh, uh, we got to be in that chamber and we did kind of a ceremony, I suppose, although it was it was kind of spontaneous. Um, where Stuart invited each one of us to lie in the sarcophagus while the rest of us, there were 18 of us all together, including him. Uh, so we all stood around the sarcophagus as each person got in and we chanted and it was spontaneous. Um, it was just a spontaneous um, emission of, of sound. We didn't have mantra. We didn't have, it wasn't a prescription or a song or a, it was purely spontaneous. And if you can imagine that in that, you know, one person clicking their fingers, the sound is immense. So 17 people it could have been caterwauling, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it could have been awful, <laughs> but actually it was elevating and uh, immense and it went on, felt, we, we, we didn't stop. It was like 45 minutes um, while everybody got their chance to, to lay in the sarcophagus. Um, uh, and it was just an amazing experience. And I think from then I started to play with, just sound um i've always been intrigued by overtone singing you know where you create one note but then another forms out of it and sometimes a third and so i've been practicing that now so since 2015 i've been on you know 
I do it in my meditations on my own. <laughs> so it's not like a practice with other people. And I just, uh, so I get myself into a meditative state. I do whatever meditation I'm doing at the time. And at the end of that, I, I spend sometimes up to 15 minutes, but mostly about five, um, purely um, allowing sounds to run through me. I mean, obviously, I know what I'm doing in that, you know, I know how to make a, a nice sound. But there's something very different about, um, I suppose it's akin to channeling, um, but there's no voices. I'm not channeling words. I don't hear words. I don't hear voices, but I know that there's something with me uh, and something is generated. Um, and, and kind of maybe um, two or three years ago, I started to emit, so mostly they're angelic sounding they're higher they're a higher vibration my natural inclination is to sing in a in a lower tone as a singer I like I like a ballsier kind of approach to singing I like to you know make a big sound or a um when I'm singing I, I really like to sing in a comfortable um key or I can go up a little bit or but but generally speaking I, I I've got quite a deep voice but this this channeling, I'm going to call it that, um, is it uh, tends to go higher and, and further up. But, but the noises, the sounds kind of happen without me. <laughs> I don't even know if that makes sense. Well, but that's how it, yeah, so that's how it feels. You're getting yeah. your basic self out of the way. You're getting even yeah. the ego out of the way. I mean, the ego helps you do. We don't have to give the ego a completely bad rap. But no, no, you need it. Yeah. yeah, you're getting your lower yeah. self. What it sounds like is getting you're getting your lower self out of the way so that the yeah. innate can come in, that the higher self yeah. can come in. Even the conscious self can, can come in and, yes. and do uh, just be the um, the um, the director. Yeah. 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 Um, there's this quote you have um, that someone has about you, and I just thought I'd read it because when we start the spiritual path, to me at least, and everyone I have spoken with, um, there's this common thread that happens that when we walk the spiritual path, not only our lives change, but they change for the better. And yeah. we begin to stretch and we begin to expand. We begin to see things of the world, ourselves in a completely new perspective. And that serves in pushing our lives on the path that's the highest road. And uh, there's a quote that someone has about you. I thought I'd read it. And it's, and you probably have heard of this because I pulled it from your site. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's worthy of mention. And they say, boundary breaking is a routine. Boundary breaking is a routine for Christine Collister. And it makes her one of the finest grown-up vocalists on the planet <laughs> what a quote i know it's amazing it's amazing and i just think as humans yeah. we're all given these or we're taught these or we're instilled these boundaries and some are good and some yeah. are quite restrictive and we get stuck in the same patterns over and over again that don't allow us to grow so how do you stretch yourself to achieve your ambitions and expand the limitations of your mind as an artist, 
as a person and as a spiritual being? That's one hell of a question, Diane. Thanks. Um. <laughs> like a nice long drink of water. <laughs> I'm, I'm on fennel, fennel tea, actually. But look at that. Look at that. That's right. a great. Radiate group. positivity. Well, I've got a. You know, this is audio, but she's got a cup that's a mug that says "Radiate Positivity," and of course, I'm gleaming with my. Do you even podcast, bro? <laughs> Courtesy of my brother-in-law. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, um, how, do you, um, how do you stretch the boundaries? How do you stretch yourself to achieve the ambitions of your, your life? The simple answer would be, I don't know. <laughs> right? I really don't. And yet, um, I love exploring um, energy. First and foremost, right now, that's the most exciting thing to me. And what I found um, with doing all the different practices that have come my way, that you can't help but grow, right? It, it, it's, um, it's a byproduct of exploring, isn't it? It's a byproduct of wanting to know. I'm not, I'm not an artist in the, in the sense of, you know, somebody who writes all the time or who has something to say, you know, I, I must get this out. I must, you know, I'm not that. I'm an intuitive person and an intuitive singer. And I think whilst I may feel I bumble from one project to another, I think, you know, with, with hindsight, when you look at it, that orchestration from um, elsewhere, the, the, the spiritual narrative, um, I think I've listened to it far more deeply and clearly than my human self can understand. So I think I'm led to things. Um, I'm certainly led to people. And, and it's usually... See, I'm a solo artist, generally speaking, but it's when I collaborate with people that I get the greatest sense of um, excitement and achievement because it's with others that you, you really create, something is created greater than the, the sum of your parts. Sure. Um, and, and, and then when you're working with uh, other people, they have an influence on you, whether you're aware of it or not. Um, now, I used to say that just about anything you hear is an influence, you know? Um, and then as you go through life, you learn to discern a little bit and you choose your influences. And I suppose I've learned to do that over the years. Um, and I do, I actually think I'm coming in to my own now. Mm -hmm. I really feel like um, this is where I begin sounds a bit um but I really feel it right now I'm turning 60 in December and I really feel like I'm just at the starting block yeah well that leads me to the next question that if you could condense it into one lesson from where you were up until your where to where you are now since the launch of all things um spiritual and ethereal yeah. in your life um, what would it be? What is that one lesson or what is that um, hit or, or inner voice reflecting back to you? Slow down. Oh, interesting. Okay. I, I, I think 
you know, we race ahead trying to find something, you know, heading for something all the time. And, and, and the thing, and actually, I, I, for me anyway, may, maybe for other people it wouldn't be the same. You know, some people need to speed up. I don't know. But I, I certainly, I, I think if I'd learned to, to slow down, because there's a kind of confidence in slowing down. Yeah. You know, you can, you just lean back a little bit rather than leaning in all the time. And I think my little duck legs, you know, that analogy, you know, you're swimming along the surface, but underneath your legs are going like crazy. I think I've spent most of my life doing that, going, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, you know, but underneath, you know, it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> I better get, I better get a, a move on, I better do it. Oh, oh no, I'm not. I, but so I, th- I think slow down. Um, smell the roses, you know. Yeah. I want to go back for a moment. You, you, um, we were talking about this before we got on, uh, the tensor technology that you're working with. And as we both work with frequency, um, I'd love for you to go into that. And anyone that's not aware of what tensor technology is, it's a, a form of a superconductor of energy that neutralizes, um, negative fields and it brings, um, uh, coherence to the chaos. Everything's yeah. energy, as we talk about, and it's a stabilizer of your biomagnetic energy fields of the body. Your body is a biomagnetic field, and anyone that wants to learn more about that, you can go back to my first podcast with my mentor, Eileen McCusick, and we talk about the biofield at great length. You work with tensor technology, and this is something that more and more people are becoming aware of, particularly with the presence of the increasing magnetic mm-hmm. fields of the 5g um yeah. and the heavy metals and heavy metals and 5g they work together to right. not really put the body in such a great state of harmony however because mm-hmm. we're these brilliant brilliant multi-dimensional beings we can just like you do with your toning and you talk mm-hmm. about overriding the basic self we can expand our um our Faraday cage, we would call it. We can expand our field. We can raise our voltage so that we can mitigate these, um, I'll just say negative forces or influences um, and create a a piezoelectric charge that where we act as an antenna um, for these harmonic frequencies. So that's just um, a little backstory or a little for a little information for people that aren't familiar with, with that technology. I wanted to know how it's changed you, how you work with tensor technology, what got you into it and, um, and how it's, how it's helping you. Well, um, I got into it by what listening to a podcast about eight or nine years ago. So the guy that, uh, was being interviewed with this wonderful guy called Brian Besco. And he uh, founded this, uh, the family company called Twisted Sage. And he was demonstrating these two master rings, he called them. Now, what what I gathered from that was that each ring is at um, a sacred length. And a sacred length basically means it has a very specific frequency. So it carries a very specific frequency. And they are cut, these, these uh, copper um, wires, well, they're not, they're, 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 they're copper, 
<laughs> is is uh, cut to a very specific length for their frequency. And then in a state of harmony, he says this on his website, you can go find out, in, a, in the sacred space of the heart, they work with the copper and they twist it. And as they twist it, um, uh, piezoelectric charge is created. And in that twist, a beam of light that is beyond our sight um, is created. So the energy is, uh, and then these these um, rings, they become rings, um, are are evenly twisted and then and then uh, soldered together. So the frequency is um, is different for each ring, and he will explain. He explains beautifully, obviously, because it's his invention. Um, what uh, each frequency does, but the demonstration he did was on a horse. <laughs> now, um, horses don't really have the possibility of um, using intellect to think about what it is that's happening, right? So you use it on a horse who's, who's spooked. And within a few moments, um, certainly within a minute, that horse is calmed and, you know, um, and fine and at peace again. Um, what I found with them, one, I was very aware of the of the 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 difference in their energy and mine. Um, it, it was very present for me and um, visceral, which for a lot of things for me, I'm 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 not that sensitive, right? In a physical sense, so these have. Um, an amazingly calming um, influence, but also a heightening influence. He says that they've, they've measured the light that is emitted from these things and they can be detected 12 miles away. Wow. That's really, really something. And they are cosmic. And, and, they, and he now talks about these things like they are first created in a higher dimension. So I can tell you one freaky, wonderful experience that happened with these um, rings. My lovely dad, who died in 2017, um, he, he bought himself a set of these rings and he also bought a set of these rings for our, um, my, my nephew who lives across the way who has cerebral palsy. Um, he sleeps with them under his bed. And uh, so for a, a, a few weeks there, we had three sets of these in the house. And a very dear friend who is um, incredibly sensitive, psychic, walks her talk, is rather wonderful. Um, she came to visit my dad and, and we said, would you like an experience with the rings? So um, she said, sure, why not? So we had all three of them. So that's six rings in all. And she stood, um, stood relaxed in, in our lounge downstairs. And I and I brought the six rings down over her head because that's what you do as a in some kind of um, energy um, session. You bring them down and you can feel the bumps in your energy because it they kind of snag as they go down your your body. So they kind of snag a bit, you know. And so you go back up and down again as you almost like you're smoothing or combing your energy, not unlike the biofield uh, tuning forks, but with this in a circular. Uh, motion anyway we put them down it and sounds like dousing a bit yeah I suppose it is uh, but you feel it you know you really feel those snags as I'm sure you must do when you're doing a session with the forks yeah, we would call that in biofield tuning probably well combing like you said or yeah. it's the perturbations it's the static so we're a cell yes. power we're in a tank yeah. 
And yeah. so anytime you kind of, with intention, you can't yes. feel into the field, which is actually plasma. So if yes. plasma, like a kind of jelly with intention, it becomes yeah. a substance. It becomes, it's yes. massive. So yeah. with intention and working with a frequency fork or one of these things that you're talking about, you can feel what we call the perturbations or the static or the incoherence or the dissonance. And yes, so the we dissonance, find yeah. that and we break it up like a calcification in the yeah. field. So then it becomes usable resource and then we put it back in the body. It's actually light and sound. That's kind of- Yeah, totally. Up. It's like a, yeah. like a piece of big water gum that's just kind of with all <laughs> yeah. this junk. Gnarly. Yeah. 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 But, so, uh, um, so this, this friend, uh, um, this friend um, was in this, in the, the column and all she's, she's saying, oh my goodness, where, where am I? I feel like I'm, so she said, I, I, I'm not even in this galaxy anymore. I'm not in this galaxy anymore. And she's got her eyes closed and she's got her hands out feeling where she is. Um, and she said, I don't know where I am, but I, she said, but I can see there are three planets. There's a, a really massive planet, a medium-sized planet, and a small planet. And she said, and I'm drawn to the small planet. And I'm, I'm she's talking, um, you know, to whatever is coming into her mind. And she's saying, I want to say the name of the planet, but I can't. I can't form the the. I can't form the sounds because you know, I I I can't say them as a human. I can't. I can't form that sound. And the, the beings who were talking to us said, you don't need to say the sound. It's home. It's your home. And so she went to the, the little planet. So this is all happening because she stood in these rings and she's hypersensitive, right? She's, you know, she's having this experience. This doesn't happen to me. <laughs> so, yes. so she's, <laughs> yes. So, um, so she's in, so she goes to this tiny little planet and she says, um, there are these pods. And, and I, she said, I live in one of these pods and this is where we come to before we come to earth. Oh. And, um, and she said, and she described what the pod looked like. It, it was very, it was all r really amazing. And my dad who believed in nothing was having a whale of a time. He just, cause he loved this, this friend. Um, and then she said, I'm, I'm, I'm standing in a lake. I'm standing in the lake of purple water and she's, stand, and she's standing there and she's putting a hand down as if she's putting a hand in water. And she said, it's not wet, but it's like water and yet it's not water. Anyway, it went on. Um, and then at some point she, she fell to her knees crying and said, what have you done to me? I want to go home. Oh. I mean, it was, it was an incredibly powerful experience. Um, for her and for us and and all because you know she stood inside these rings um yeah so they can have they can have a really um a galactic kind of experience for those people who are already kind of attuned to those outer yeah. um higher vibrations i think i'm very earthbound personally but that's good i like it yeah well, yeah. I, you know, there's challenges. I interview a lot of people that have near-death experiences. And their oh, yes. challenge, yeah, their biggest challenge I find is that they literally have one foot here and one foot in the other realm. And that yeah. straddling is yeah. very conflicting because yeah. they want to go home, but yeah. they want to be here for their families, but yeah. they also know what home is and they yeah. have the correct 
um, experience yeah. that that goes beyond any proofing, and so yeah. it's very challenging. So I don't think it's so bad. And back to my my mentor Eileen Cusick, you know, we talk a lot about the power of the solar plexus, not not versus the power of the heart, but I'm a minister as well, and I work with a lot of ministers in the movement of spiritual inner awareness, um, msia.org, if anyone's interested in that work. And what I find is that many of the people that I'm working with uh, that are the ministers, not everyone, but there is a common thread that they're very open in their heart. They're very open in the higher chakras where there's no karma to burn. The lower chakras are the material realm, the earthly realm, but they're very open in the higher realm chakras and they're kind of home on earth. They are living to much a degree heaven on earth. However, Mm -hmm. they can't manifest. They have a lot of them have money issues. A lot of them have um, sometimes relationship issues, job career issues. They have a hard time integrating the sort of ways of the human experience on planet earth. And uh, because they're, they're existing they're, They've got a big part of themselves living in higher realms. And I think that we have an opportunity. We choose to come down here and yes. it behooves us, like Eileen would say, to strengthen the solar plexus, like this powerful furnace so that it that sun energy as prana rises up it can feed and fuel the energy of the loving heart the anahata so that we can um, manifest in that highest uh, most aligned state but we don't just um, drop the lower chakras and say they're you know not worry about them they're a part of us it's like dropping mm-hmm. the ego we can't yeah judge the ego, we learn to hold its hand and not make it the master. So to your point, I think it's not such a bad thing to be grounded on the planet. We're here on the planet. And then when we're done with our work, we'll take off and go to another maybe planet. (laughs) We we don't know, do we? But I love that idea. And I I feel that what part of my... um, mission or I don't know but they all sound so odd those words I'm here on a mission I don't know it doesn't feel it feel um um I, I yeah I have a hard time saying that but I I do feel that part of my job part of my reason for being here this time around is to bring in that higher frequency and ground it because it needs grounding it needs to be brought into mother earth um it needs that you need to be a full conduit to to be able to to bring that down um and, and that's an alchemy and imagine mm. if everyone was doing that or yes. a great degree of people the the frequency the experience on planet earth would be completely different and yeah. transformed yeah speaking of transformation and <laughs> frequency i would love and we met i should say about 10 years ago you sang at our wedding, and it was so extraordinary. And I believe you sang Songbird, and uh, uh-huh. I was just like, "Oh, you could hear, you could hear the the leaves just kissing themselves miles away." <laughs> what a beautiful phrase! Thank you. <laughs> it was like, "Oh my God!" It was so beautiful, and I don't think there was a dry eye 
um, in Napa. And uh, I'll never forget that. And I would love if you could just bless us with a song. Yeah, sure. Be my pleasure. Out. So um, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that beautiful song. It's a healing song, in fact. Uh, Christine V wrote um, uh, all those years ago in the 70s. Um, and I, it's my pleasure to sing it at weddings, at christenings, at um, funerals. At, you know, it is a song for all of those uh, beautiful um, and necessary passages in life. Um, so, sure, um, I'll, I'll do that for you right now. For you, there'll be no more crying. For you, the sun will be shining. Cause I feel that when I'm with you, it's all right. I know it's right. To you, I would give the world. To you, I will never be Cause I feel that when I'm with you, it's all right. I know it's right. And the songbirds are singing like they know the score. And I love you, I love you, I love you like never before. And I wish you all the love in the world. But most of all, I it from myself and the songbirds keep singing like they know the score and I love you I love you I love you like never before like never before like never before like never before ah oh, that was that was that purple water um, <laughs> Hey guys, thanks for checking out the Spiritual Geek Out podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, check out more by subscribing on your favorite platform or go to spiritualgeekout.com.